This podcast is sponsored by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that caters to exceptional singles. To learn more about how I can help you, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a 60-second audio question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. It literally takes one minute. This week's guest is one of Agabi Match's matchmakers, Louis Felix. Before I bring on my guest, I want to thank you again for sending in your dating and relationship questions via Instagram, via email, via askamatchmaker.com. They are amazing. You know, when we are recording this right now, I'm actually trying to figure out TikTok because on Instagram, a few of you have started sending me your online dating profiles to critique on TikTok. So I have to figure out TikTok now, but I promise you, even if you're not on TikTok, and even if I figure this out and I post something, I will post it to Instagram too. Wish me luck. Next time someone starts rambling away about their dating and relationship dilemmas, I want you to redirect them to Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Bring them here, have them listen, send them your favorite episode. Maybe they'll binge the rest after that. Thank you again so much. Let's bring on our guest. Louis Felix has been a matchmaking expert in the relationship industry for over a decade. His corporate startup and acquisition background brought him to the forefront of the relationship industry when he was contracted for the acquisition for a high-end Beverly Hills-based matchmaking company. From there, he went on to serve as the CEO of two of the country's largest matchmaking companies, as well as simultaneously acquiring and running the largest dating company in California. With these ventures, Louis has been responsible for the successful matchmaking efforts of more than 50,000 clients worldwide. Currently, Louis is the chief operating officer and boy matchmaker at Agape Match, which provides exclusive professional concierge level matchmaking services to clients around the world. He also takes on personal clients in Southern California. So if you're in Southern California, you should definitely contact Louie. He provides expert advice to the media on matchmaking and has been featured as an expert matchmaker on networks such as E! Entertainment, WeTV, and The CW. Tomorrow is our 10-year friendship anniversary. No way. Do you remember meeting me? God, you know, 10 years ago, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. We met at a conference. We happened to be sitting next to each other. Was that a New York conference? Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember now. You just said it and it all came back to me. I think I was wearing a green dress. <laughs> I was, <laughs> that's, that's the right. key. Yeah. If you want to make friends at a conference, you have to wear green or blue. I say this to all my single women when they do our coaching too. Green and blue are the colors to go. So I remember wearing a green dress this conference. I remember you sitting next to me. I remember that you were kind of cold in the beginning, but then you like kind of warm up. And I feel like that's a perfect description of you. <laughs> I'm actually one of those introvert extroverts. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, one of those no, people yeah, that you're totally I feel like I'm an introvert, but you know, I, in social situations or just like in these situations, I feel like I'm just, I'm extroverted. I don't know why. You are totally an introvert and everyone thinks you're an extrovert. And right. 
I feel like, I feel like that's why you and I get on. Uh, I feel like we both know each other's limits with each other. You are my work husband. Totally. You know, I talk to you as much as I talk to my husband. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get into matchmaking? My background is startup and acquisition. So I don't know many people who actually go to school to become a matchmaker because that definitely wasn't me. In a different life, prior to this, back in 1999, I actually started a teeth whitening company called Bright Smile. It went public and it was huge and I lived in New York and it was awesome. Um, But ultimately... um, when I left Bright Smile, I was going to take a year off and do nothing. But I had so many different consulting opportunities come my way. And one of them happened to be an acquisition of a Beverly Hills matchmaking company. And I was in, just so intrigued by that, that they flew me in, they interviewed me and I was hired. Uh, I had a six month consulting contract. So, you know, I, I came in, I restructured the company, hired, fired, uh, met with every single matchmaking company in the industry, all of them. And uh, as, as a potential client, of course, and uh, ultimately just restructured the company. They brought me on as the CEO and we grew it national. It was great. And then you came to Agape. <laughs> 16 years later, you came here. You know, what's funny. I've never really talked. And I know you don't listen to the episodes because why would you want to listen to my voice more than you have to? <laughs> I, I do um, listen to some of them. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I feel like I never talk about what we do. Like I talk, I give dating advice on this podcast, but I don't think I ever talk about agape, like agape match, like the company, since you are part of it. What do you like about working for agape match? (laughs) It's such a cringe question. It's actually, it's a, it's a great question. Um, It's a cringe question, not a great question. For me, it's a great question. I've been offered opportunities at probably most matchmaking companies across the country, both companies that are still open and companies that are no longer in existence. And I've never been willing to take on a role um, in any of these organizations. And, you know, when you approached me, it was an immediate yes in my head. And, And I think it's just because there's something really special about what you've done with Agape. And I'm not just saying this because, uh, you know, you brought me on. I'm saying this, I, I felt this way before you even um, offered me, you know, a COO position with your organization. But something that's really lacking in this industry, and I'm going to be brutally honest on this on this uh, podcast, so this interview with you, my, my, my honest opinion is that this, this industry is really shady. Totally. And I think there's, yeah, there's always like the question of ethics when it comes to, to being in this industry. And, you know, I, I'm the first to admit, I ran two national matchmaking companies, and we have and, and the largest dating company in California. And when you have like over 50,000 people that you've worked for over the years, it's hard because when you're a big corporate company like that, you have to take everybody. And you know that people aren't going to be successfully matched when you take them. And it's a hard thing to do because you have to keep your doors open and you're running a business. And I think every company has, has to deal with this. You know, if you Google Target complaints, you're going to get a million complaints from Target, right? But ultimately what I loved about Agape, you're just so ethically sound. And for me... I think that at this stage in my career, you know, I have a ton of experience, but I'm not interested in just, I don't know how to say this other than taking people's money for the purpose of taking people's money. You know, I think that you've always been just the type of organization that is very brutally honest with people. You are a straightforward, straight shooter. There's no gimmick. There's no nonsense. And it's refreshing because not everybody likes that. And it's okay. Because if we're not a good fit for you, we're going to send you to someone that is a good fit for you. And that's just Mm. not what most businesses do. Most businesses, even outside of this, of this industry are going to take people because they need to run a business. Right. So especially during the pandemic, I've noticed. Yeah, for sure. So um, I don't know. I think that's what that's what really drew, drew me to to saying an immediate yes when you when you offered me the opportunity. It's been fantastic. I'm so happy uh, that that we joined forces, so to speak, and that uh, I'm able to be a member of your amazing team. And I think that I'm honored. So grateful. 
Thanks. I'm like so lucky to have you in my life. Um, I don't think anything, and I don't think anything could operate without you right now. So I'm just really, really grateful. Okay. Enough of us schmoozing, schmoozing and self-congratulating ourselves. Let's take some questions. Let's change what do you think, some lives. I love it. Hi, Matchmaker Maria. It's Anne, and I'm from Virginia, and I'm 32 years old. I have a master's degree, and I sometimes find myself paying too much attention to other people's education. How important is it to find someone that has the same education level as you, and does it really matter? This is such a good question. Ah, yes, Anne. Yes. Great question. Great question. Louie, you want to take a stab at it first? Yeah. I mean, one of the uh, the first thing that stands out to me is she said, sometimes I find myself paying too much attention to people's education. So that clearly states to me that it's a very important aspect of your life. And I think it's a very important aspect of, of, of who you want to be with. Um, so I think in your case, um, I think that it's important that maybe you meet somebody that's, that's educated because I think that's, it sounds to me like that's what you're looking for. So that's not important to everybody. So I, I you know, the, the simple answer is it depends on who we're speaking to. Right. But in your case, I think that it does matter for you. See, I would, I would disagree a little bit and I'll tell you why. Of course, of course you would. I don't, I mean, why, why do you say, of course I would, um, you know, I think we're so similar in so many ways, but I think, I don't know. It's like male and female. You know, the energy is just always going to be a little bit different. I'm always going to look at this from a very male perspective. I, it's not that I'm looking from females, but look, I'm married to someone who has a PhD. <laughs> right? Yeah, but you're, you're uh, well-educated. And I am well-educated. I have a master's degree and all that stuff. Sure. But I, if we look at the numbers, so many more women in 2020 have master's degrees and PhDs compared to their male counterparts, compared to their male peers. And we need to get used to mixed collar dating. Just because someone has a degree does not tell you anything about their work ethic. It doesn't tell you how intellectually curious they are. It doesn't even tell you how intellectual they are. It just tells you that they went to college. Now, does college help and tell you a certain thing about someone? Absolutely. Of course it does. But is it the end all? No. Like, I feel like if you find yourself, you know, she mentioned she has a master's degree. So my initial reaction to that is, does she only want to date men who have master's degrees? Because if that's the case, you need to stop doing that. You can't think like that. You need to be exact. It should be acceptable to date someone with either a bachelor's degree or even a trade associates. But at the end of the day, what you need to financially and intellectually seek compatibility under is work ethic. And does their intellectual curiosity match mine? Does their sense of humor match mine? Um, Where do they get their news from? You know, I've seen a lot of smart people this year really fall into the QAnon bullshit. And I don't, you know, so to me, it's like a degree is almost irrelevant. It's just a matter of what kind of critical thinking skills do you have? I will say that going to college and especially going to graduate school teaches you a different way of critical thinking. There is something there. And so I do agree with you in that part, uh, Louis, but you know, is it the end all? I don't think so. And I think we just have to look at the numbers. There's just not going to be enough men. I think in theory, what you're saying makes total sense, but in reality, it depends if you're a man or you're a woman who's making this statement. Clearly men in my experience, they don't really care if a woman's educated. You know, she can be. Men don't you know, care. I never teacher. said. Be, you know, yeah. So, 
but but women, especially educated women, they're educated for a reason, right? So they've, they've taken the time, the energy, the effort to actually mm-hmm. go through the motions and, and educate themselves. And it's, you know, if she has her uh, master's degree, she's, she spent a great deal of time in school. I don't know. I think that for women, I think it's more important for them to meet someone who's their equal or more than, if that makes sense, right? So I think there's a lack of respect to a certain extent when a woman makes more than than a man. And I know that that's a very general statement and it doesn't always apply. There's always going to be an exception to every rule. Generally speaking, in my experience, I've found it very difficult to see relationships succeed when a woman makes more than, than the man. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about her income. We're talking about her degree and do you okay so in Anne's case let's just take it to Anne Anne has a master's you don't think it's limiting to only look for men who have a master's or more degree yeah it's absolutely limiting of course and then when you factor in all the other elements I mean education is just one very small criteria right when you're looking at income when you're looking at religion or spirituality so all the fundamental Mm -hmm. core foundation elements of relationship then yes it definitely becomes much more complicated education okay for us to disagree yeah no but in many cases (laughs) education does correlate with income oh yeah of course does yes yeah so so I don't know I guess that's 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 probably where my mind takes me more toward um yeah I think it's important because usually you know somebody who has a master's degree is going to make more than someone who does not have their master's degree. So I don't know. It's just sometimes I will say, I will say, I mean, God, my, my husband's a PhD and he was an academic and he was not making the money he makes now in corporate. (laughs) I've met many people who have are college dropouts because they got a high income career. I think right now in 2020, just the numbers are not in favor of women limiting to my degree or more. And also, like you said before, men don't judge on this. I have never met a man, right? Am I wrong here? No, you're totally right. I think most men are like, wow, she's really well-educated. Sign me up. You know, if he's insecure, that could, it's a different, that's a whole different story, but that's not about you. That's about them. You know, maybe ask yourself too, what I would do in Anne's case is maybe write down the five things that I would need to feel intellectually fulfilled. I don't know about you and, you know, your partner, but when I met my partner in my list to be intellectually fulfilled, I needed a, a person who, you know, read the newspaper every day. That's something that's extremely important to me. And I wanted to share that with someone. He needed to know what's going on in the world. I'm not right. asking him to tell me the geopolitics of the Mediterranean. No, but you know, mm-hmm. definitely know what's going on. And right. um, I also wanted someone who had a similar sense of humor to me and a sense of humor is really important. Uh, that is part of your intellectual compatibility. And the third right. thing that I looked for, and then this is, again, this is personal to me, is um, their critical thinking skills. Right. I have met many PhDs in my life who have, they're not socially intelligent enough or emotionally intelligent enough in their critical thinking skills. And then I've met people who are college dropouts who are intellectually fulfilling to me. You know, right. can have a really strong connection and conversation. So yes, to Anne's case, you know, if it's something that you keep finding yourself, maybe that just means that intellectual compatibility has this caveat for you. Yeah, I think everybody needs to figure out what's most important to them, for sure. Anne, you're 32 years old, and I think that you're at a fantastic age to meet somebody and potentially if marriage and family is in your future, and that's what you're looking for, and that's your relationship goal. Um, I think that you're kind of way ahead of your game. 
way ahead of your time because you're taking this serious at 32. Um, you know, yeah. I speak to women every single day, as you know, Maria, and um, every single day I speak to women that are 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, and they want to get married and they want to have kids. They, they're never married. They never had kids. So I think that everybody should listen to Anne and, and realize that, you know, you really want to be in a relationship, then you should, you should be in a relationship. You can't let something as simple as education get in the way of really trying to get to know somebody that could be a great father to your children. And just because he doesn't have a master's degree doesn't mean that he's not a fantastic match for you. So just be aware of it. And I like what Maria recommended. Definitely write down what's most important to you, but also write down what's not that important to you and try to balance those two things and find that perfect person. And everybody, there's somebody out there for you. So don't ever give up. I don't care about how old you are or anything like that. So do you really believe that there is someone out there for everyone? Absolutely. I get this question every week, by the way. You know what? Listen, Maria, just like you and I have talked like a thousand times, and I I tell women this every single day when I speak to them and, you know, they can call in and verify that I say this to them because I do. Pretty much everyone that has been on the online dating sites or the apps have swiped past their husband or wife 10 times over. They just didn't see it. Unfortunately, I think people have this, this imaginary, like perfect person in their head that they want to meet. And that person doesn't really exist. So you have to learn to open yourself up to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Uh, But ultimately, if you have more acceptable than you do non-acceptable, then you're positioning yourself for success. I love to ask people like, what's your number? You know, I love that question. And they always say, what do you mean by that? So out of 100%, so 100% is your Mr. or Miss Perfect. So ultimately, what's your number? What are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody that's 90% of what your list entails? Or are you looking for somebody that's 95%, 99%? So many women, and I recently saw a matchmaker uh, post something like, if you don't have somebody who's 100% of what you're looking for, then you need to move on. Don't even do it. Don't even date them. And I almost threw up in my mouth, actually. You know, I was like ready to like call this person and say, (laughs) what are you talking? about. It's really sad because this is the message this matchmaker is sending to people. And so people now think that they're going to find somebody that's 100% of what they're looking for, and it just doesn't exist. Ultimately, every relationship is going to have trials and tribulations and struggles, and it's never going to be perfect. So you just need to figure out if you want to be single or do you want to be in a relationship and how much are you willing to, to give up to make that happen? See, I agree with everything you're saying when it's like the initial critical thinking of dating, right? When someone initially comes to us, they have this list in their head and I'm thinking, okay, if we can get 70% of this, we're great. We're golden. But if you were to do like, you know how some of our women do our group coaching intensive, we redo the list. And as a result, like, you know, we are able to kind of rework it in a way where, okay, this now, this new 70% list is your 100%. Right. Yes. You can have this, but you can't have, you know, when women come to us saying like, you know, for instance, and he has to have a master's, but does he have to have a master's? He has to be six foot tall, but does he have to be six foot tall? He needs to have a full head of hair, but does he have a full head of hair? I know one of those criteria is completely earned and the other ones are not unearned, right? You know, full head of hair and height. These are unearned qualities. I think sometimes women have this list and men, we get men with lists all the time. Oh my God. Listen, Maria, you know what? You know, everybody that's listening, you have to remember something. You're only half the equation. 
Totally. So you can sit here and tell us this, give us this huge list of things that you want. All these criteria has got to be this, it's got to be this. She's got to be this. She's got to weigh this. She's got to be, you know, uh, I like, I'm a boob guy. She's got to be boob. Like all this is fantastic and great. And you can give us this list, but at the end of the day, you're only half the equation. So what you want in someone is only half of what you're going to get really, because they're going to want something from you as well. So mm-hmm. you have to balance those two worlds. It's never as simple as it sounds. So if you're so focused on what you're looking for, you're never going to find it because mm-hmm. you have to balance looking for what you want combined for what combined with what you're going to give someone. So if you're a take, 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 and that's what frustrates me every day. I speak to these single women who are like, oh, it's not me. I don't need coaching. There's just no yeah. quality men out there, you know, or I speak to men and they say, oh, there's just no quality women. So, I mean, ultimately, I mean, we get women who say to us all the time, like, I have no problem meeting men. <laughs> you know, to me, it's like, OK, why are you single? Meeting men is that's all more than half the battle. Um, all right, let's all right. go to our next question. Hi, Maria. I love your podcast. I was wondering if you had any advice about moving in with a partner. How do you make hangouts feel intentional now that you're living in the same space? Also, how do you know when to give yourself or your partner me time? So this question is from Nikki. I don't think Nikki shared how old she was or where she's from, but I do like her question. How to make it intentional when you're living with someone, when you're living with a partner? Well, how do they, how do you make um, hanging out with them intentional? And then how do you make private time or alone time intentional as well. My response is super simple to this question. It's communication, communication, communication. I mean, I feel like if you're an adult and you can communicate and live together, like you should be able to communicate if you're living together. So if you need some quiet time, you should be able to communicate that to your partner and they should respect that and you should have some quiet time. Um, So if you're finding yourself in a position where, you know, they're not receptive to you wanting to be alone or they're not receptive to you wanting to hang out with them, maybe they want alone time when you want to hang out with them. So are you adult enough to respect that and say, Oh, I completely understand you. I'll go watch a movie on my own and you, you go out with your buddies or whatever. So I don't know. It's just, I think there's always going to be somewhat of a lack of communication out of fear of the response, I think sometimes. So I think sometimes people are too nervous or too scared to actually say, Hey, I want some alone time right now, because it may be misperceived if that makes sense. Like I don't want to hang out with you, but it's really not that it's just, I want my time right now. If that, if that makes sense. Nikki, it's really tough moving in with someone because I think, like you pointed out, especially in the pandemic, you need to outline not only what your own time is, but also how to keep the passion alive, how to keep those butterflies going. Because the truth is that when you are dating and you're not living together, you do get a little bit of butterflies, or I hope you do get butterflies when you're meeting. Oh, does he like my outfit? And oh, you know, like, are we going to stay at your place tonight or my place, you know? But that does not exist when you start living with someone. You Just like Louis said, communication is totally key. You know, learning how to fight. You know, you're not, leave, you're not going to your respective homes anymore. So you have to learn how to fight while still being in the same house. Um, you have to learn how to have alone time in the same house. And you also have to learn how to keep the relationship going, keep a momentum going. And one of the best tips that I can give, this is was given to me by Dr. Terry Orbuck, the love doctor. I believe she'll be a future guest on the show. Uh, one way that she has learned that successful married couples have kept the passion alive is to talk every day for at least 15 minutes, non-maintenance talk. So this is not where you talk about your kids, your bills, the house, your work. You actually have to do things where you can share with each other that will help the growth of your relationship. 
I mean, I still do this now. I'm married and I do this every single day. I guess what makes me nervous about Nikki is that she didn't say, oh, my fiance and I are moving together. And this is where I pause. I'm one of those people that believes that you should be engaged when you get married. Um, Please do not at me. I do not care if you disagree. The reason why I believe this is because... I feel like sometimes people move in with each other because they're just trying to save on rent. And you're using the same criteria that you would use to find a Craigslist roommate to find now the potential father or mother of your children. And getting that ring on your finger before getting married, it's just the milestone. It's moving forward. Um, I know plenty of couples who have moved in together before getting engaged and they got married. Yes, we all know couples like that but they tend to be the exception, not the rule. I also know plenty of women and men who have moved in with their boyfriend or girlfriend and they never got engaged. (laughs) In fact, you know, for some men, they say, oh, we've moved in. (laughs) Now I can kind of postpone the engagement. This is a really touchy subject for me. It's a really big issue. People duplicate what they know, right? I love to ask people, how do you know how to be in a relationship? Mm. And you'd be surprised how many people can't answer that question. It's shocking to me. And, and it's even more shocking to me that, that some people actually answer that question with movies. That's not their idea of a relationship. Yeah, it's not your parents or your parents' parents, right? So it's fascinating to me when you really think about this. And there's one thing that I know that's true is if you come from a very traditional core, right? So basically in my upbringing, we were married for 25 years. So by the time I was you know, a teenager, then they got divorced. But I had already, what I believed has already been implemented, right? So I have a very traditional core value when, I, when it comes to relationships. Um, and a lot of people do. And ultimately what that means is when you come from like, let's say your parents were married for many years or your grandparents were married for many, many years, when relationships get tough or things get hard, you see your parents work it out. You know, there's good times, there's bad times. You've heard all these things, right? So certain people will get into a relationship and then as soon as they see some issues or some trouble, they bail. So typically those people have more of a non-traditional mentality when it comes to relationships. So they, they have a sequence or series of shorter term relationship after shorter term relationship. But then you have the opposite of that. People that are that come from a very, you know, traditional core type of background. And, you know, they may be in a relationship with somebody and, you know, three to six months in, you start to see the issues after the honeymoon period, you know, kind of disappears or dissipates, right? So then now you're, you're, what you see is the real person surfacing. It's not the cute person that was like coming over to your house and like shooting the, the towel in the, the dirty clothes hamper and they miss and it's so cute when they miss. Oh, you missed it. Oh. And then six months later, it's like, pick it up. This is really annoying <laughs> to me, right? So the first three months, it was great and it was cute and it was fun. But all of a sudden now, you know, the honeymoon period's over and you know, it gets annoying. But my point is, I think that there's always like these, this like, it's almost cyclical. Like every six months, there comes a point in a relationship where you start to see things that might bother you, or maybe you become more distant. So, you know, you, you have these conversations where it's like, you know, I think we've been working too much. And I think maybe we should go away for the weekend. So what you're actually doing is you're creating that intimacy. You're bringing it back. Life happens. And with time, you know, you are living lives and they're separate lives, but they're together. But ultimately, distance happens with any relationship. And I think mm. people with traditional cores always find a way to come back into each other, right? So it's like, let's go away for the weekend. You go for, away for the weekend. You have this great bed and breakfast. You reconnect. And all of a sudden, the next three to six months is great again because you had that connection happen. So mm. I think sometimes people with non-traditional cores just need to figure out a way to do that. Instead of running when it gets tough, you need to figure out how to 
make it work, right? This is a really big issue that I see when it comes to relationships and people and why they haven't pursued relationships or, or even worse, why they haven't found quote unquote the one because I think they've met the one a hundred times over. They just didn't see it. And it happens this way. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes people progress relationships for the wrong reasons, right? So they go out away for the weekend. And then six months after that, um, they, the, the guy is like, well, I think we need, to, we need to move in together. you know. And then that moving in together is really fun for the next three months. And then it gets bad again. And then they say, well, they keep progressing the relationship simply because they think that that's what has to happen in order to make this relationship work. And maybe they shouldn't have been together to begin with, right? So you just have to be really aware of, of what you really want. Want, be aware of what the real issues are in a relationship. Be aware if you're constantly taking the relationship to the next level for the purpose of being in a long-term relationship, or if you're taking it to the next level because you're really fulfilled by this person and they're really bringing a partnership to your, to your life, right? So there's nothing worse than taking it to the point of getting engaged, getting married and having kids and ultimately getting divorced three years after you have kids because you realize mm-hmm. you can't stand each other anymore, right? You probably right. knew that six months in. I mean, I feel like so much of our job is hearing everyone's breakup stories every day. Like I meet four women <laughs> I a day and I ask it's them. Not funny. No, but that's all we do is we hear breakup stories yeah. and, and uh, you know, how did you come to us? What happened? And right. so many times I hear a breakup story and I always think to myself, like, and I ask them, you know, how far in did you know this was not going to work out? And there's always, there's always a time where the red flags start yeah. to show. Sometimes it's sure. right from the beginning, but we're completely blinded. You mentioned a phrase before I want to ask you, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you believe in the one, like we get one person? No. Oh, no, no, I don't. Listen, I think that you can make a relationship work with with anybody that you share, you know, 51% compatibility with. You know, I think mm. that as long as you're greater than 50%, then then you can make a relationship work. So long as both of you are 51%, are each of you are... Are each of yours 51%? I don't know how to say that. You know what I'm trying to say? So, so long as, as, long as you, you have each like, other's 51%. Yeah. Yeah. As long as your values um, are aligned and your temperaments are compatible, which that literally right. takes you right over the 51 mark. I feel like I won the lottery with the person that I chose to marry, but I could have seen it working with other people too. I just don't think, I think timing is also so important in who we choose. I think people don't really get the term relationships are work. It's work. Mm. It's not easy. My marriage could have ended 10 times easily. Mm. I don't have a perfect relationship. I don't have a perfect marriage. Nobody does. I'll never forget the Mm. day my kid came in and said, dad, I think that we're a very dysfunctional family. I think we're more dysfunctional than anyone that I've ever met. And I had to tell him that that's not true. You don't know the inner workings behind people's homes, like what happens in their closed door, behind their closed doors. Everybody tries to paint a perfect picture, but it's, it's not there. I mean, of course, people have right. good marriages. And my marriage is great. But there's By the way, from the outside time. in, you guys, from the outside in, you look amazing. That, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know? That's what I mean. So I had, yeah. I had no idea that one of your sons thinks that, like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Uh, but little by little, he started to notice, you know, problems with friends and problems with friends, families and getting calls and like, you know, mm. people like you know, having major family issues. And I think he came to a realization that like, hey, we're not dysfunctional. We're normal. This is how families right. work. Once you have kids, it gets really hard to manage raising children with being in a relationship. For what we do for a living, sometimes I wonder if people are creating so many preconceived ideas or notions and obstacles, yes, for themselves. Uh, They haven't even gotten to the I do 
right? And they're mm. already creating all these obstacles and it's not as complicated as you'll make it. It's just not, you know? And that's why, you know, I know that I, you know, we talk about chemistry all the time and chemistry is always this driving force behind how people select who they select, right? But then how do you balance the chemistry with like, income, you know, location, age range, ethnicity, you know, so the activities and interests, you know, so all the other fundamental core foundation elements of a relationship. But unfortunately, if you're physically attracted to somebody, that's always what's going to drive. And then you make allowances with all the other things because you're so mm. physically attracted to somebody, right? So oh, man, that goes to, away you know, so quickly. So quickly. Oh my God. It's so, so quickly. And that's why I've always encompassed that logic-based matchmaking philosophy. You know, I try to take the emotion out of it and stick to logic because I believe there's rhyme or reason as to why everybody's single. There's a reason why you're single. Okay. okay. You can, you can say that there's not, but there is a certain percentage of why you're single is because of you. And a certain percentage of why you're single is because of who you're meeting. Okay? Or where under- you're meeting. Or where you're meeting, right. But it's ultimately who you end up pursuing, right? Right. So, so we need to figure out what that percent, what that balance is between those two things. So if you're so focused on what you want and you think that this person has what you want, that's not enough because you have to be able to understand what they want. You know, we had four women in group coaching this spring. They were not in the same group. They were in different groups. They're moving to different cities from our recommendation. You know, one of them, she lived in Boston. She is more of an explorer type. She has more dopamine running through her system and she's looking for someone who's more carefree. She lives in Boston. And, you know, the men that she keeps meeting, she keeps telling me like they're more regimented, they're more process oriented. You know, they, this is the life. They don't want to be more flexible. And I'm like, you're in the wrong city. You need to move to Denver. You need to move to San Diego. You need to move to uh, Austin. I'm sure the ladies who live in these cities are going to come back at me now, but it's true. More men in Denver and more men in Southern California, they tend to be more flexible than some men in the Northeast. And right. so we have four women moving. We have one woman moving from Alaska to <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. We yeah. have a woman from Boston going to Denver. We have another woman going from New York to LA. And then I think someone's moving from Texas to New York. Mm. So it's just, it's so interesting to me seeing sometimes you can't find someone not just because of you, but also the environment that you're in. I don't think that there are no quality men around you. There are quality men in every city, but temperamentally and compatibility wise, Mm -hmm. like which one's more fit to you? We have two more questions. Let's go to the next one. Hi, Matchmaker Maria. My name is Matt. I'm 38 and I live in Miami, Florida. A couple weeks ago, I got a new neighbor in the apartment next to me. We've run into each other a couple times over the last couple of weeks, and it seems every single time we run into each other now, it feels like both of us are trying to keep the conversation going. Um, And she makes some really deep eye contact when we're chatting. Um, The last time we ran into each other, we chatted for a few, and I said we should hang out. We've exchanged numbers. And she said, you know, knock on my door and say hello at any time. I know that we're both being just friendly neighbors, but honestly, she's such a fascinating individual and I really would like to get to know her. And honestly, I could even see it maybe even going somewhere, but I'm not exactly sure how to approach it. And she's my neighbor. So that adds a unique situation. So is it worth approaching? Is it even a smart thing to do? And now how do I go about it? I really would appreciate some insight. Thanks for your help. That's a whoa. Whoa. (laughs) 
Yeah, like never date anyone at work and never date anybody at your gym. I mean, I think those are like staple advice. At your like gym? I have never heard that. Why not date someone well, yeah, at your gym? Yeah, at your gym. Because then if it doesn't work out and they see you trying to meet someone else, like it's just never a good idea to, to date somebody at a gym because, you know, didn't you say what episode? What was I watching? There was a question on which show it was, but he had to go to every single gym uh, in New York City to finally, and he was at the last gym that he could possibly go to because I guess he had dated everybody in the other gyms and he has to keep leaving gyms. Anyway, sounds like a Seinfeld. Um, yeah, yeah, it does sound like a Seinfeld episode. But actually, would you Matt, date someone Matt, right? in your building? So you know, yeah, I think it's possible. I've actually successfully matched somebody that didn't even know that they were in the same building, and they actually ended up together. It's a really fascinating story. But but ultimately, Matt, like the the key phrase that I hear when you when you ask this question is that it's only been a couple weeks, and you've only to- spoken to her a couple times. Um, so that's kind of a big red flag for me, just just because. You know, a couple of weeks or a couple of times, you know, how long do you plan to live there? You're going to be there for like 10 years, you know, a couple of weeks kind of isn't enough time to get to know if somebody's really somebody that you want to date um, to the point where if it doesn't work out, is she going to be looking out her door to see if you bring a woman home like, you know, in the next you know two weeks after that or something. So I don't know. I think it's possible. I don't think that it's that it's something that's that's not impossible. Um, oh I just God. think that maybe you should take a little bit more time um, to become friends first before you take it to the next level if that's even in the cards um, at the same time if you're like really serious about getting married and having kids if that's where you are um 38 year old man you know maybe she's the one uh, you know so like i don't know maybe she's 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 a great match for you i think you just need to take some more time i'd give it more time that's my advice i don't know that i can advise you either way to go with this but i, I would definitely give it much more time i just want to say as a woman if i told a man come knock on my door anytime I don't know. That means. Yeah. Well, maybe she just wants sex. Think it's just sex. Well, I don't know if she's saying come knock on my door anytime. I mean, what what is as a woman? What is that? What do you think that means? Ask me out. So you think it means ask me out? Come knock. Ask me out, or I want a bone. I don't know. Yeah, I want a bone. That's what it means. I would, I, I would, know. I would listen to Louie. Um, as as much as I know women, I, I'm sorry if I met someone in my. I, I've met guys in my building when I was single, and at no point did I ever say, "Come on, come knock on my door anytime." But I feel like you should give this more time, like talk more instead of knocking on her door or even calling her next time you run into her just impromptu ask, Hey, do you want to go get brunch and see what her response is to that? If her response is, yeah, let's go right now. Or if it's, you know, I can't right now I'm on my way to walk out, you know, walk my dog. Can we do tomorrow or in an hour? Then I think that's really positive. Maybe she's just being nice, but at least you could have that outside interaction yeah. And then see so, organically where it goes. Like maybe on that, maybe it turns into a date or maybe it's just your friends. That's all. Yeah. Listen, I live by this rule. The more you have to lose, the less risk you're going to take. Mm. So if you have nothing to lose, risk it all. You really have nothing to lose. I think you can just have an open, honest conversation with her and say, Hey, we've been talking a couple of times. I think it's, I think I, I, I like you. I, th- I like our conversation. For me, it's awkward. We live in the same building. You're my neighbor. So if we started seeing each other, I don't even know if you're single, but if we started seeing each other and it didn't work out, that can be really ugly. What do you think about this? And just hear what she has to say about it. I mean, I don't know. You have nothing to lose. It's kind of a fun, flirty situation anyway. So go for it and and set the ground rules up front. You're adults. You can, you know, I know that's kind of thrown out the window like six months later when you've been, you know, together constantly and uh, it doesn't work out for some reason. Then you're kind of in a really position. So, uh, but I think right now have an upfront, open, honest conversation about it and see where it goes. She could be the yeah, mother of her total, You totally have nothing to lose. Yeah. 
Okay. One last question, Louie. Thank you for being here, by the way. I'm really happy to have oh, you. I'm loving it. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Matchmaker Maria. This is Megan. I am 28 years old, and I am from Kansas City, Missouri. So I've been dating this guy for only three weeks. He wants me to meet his children, and I think it is way too soon. What's a healthy way to deal with this? I don't want to scar the children coming from my own divorced parent background. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. What do you think? You want to do initial oh, thoughts? Oh, man. I think there's a lot of moving parts to this. Um, I think, again, I always I try to personalize this. You know, I, it's so hard for me to generalize these responses for like the masses just because, you know, again, the key phrases that she thinks is she thinks it's too soon. So that means that it's too soon. I mean, clearly right. it's too soon. So um, at the same time, like, I don't, I think you need to understand his relationship history. I think you need to understand like how he does things, right? So does he meet for three weeks and introduce them to his kids? Is this he does on the regular? Or is this the first time he's ever doing this? Because I think that will speak volume about you in his life, right? So if he does this mm-hmm. with every woman, then it's like, yeah, why are you doing this with me? It's too soon. That doesn't make sense. If he's never introduced his kids to a woman, I think it should send a really powerful message to you that, hey, maybe you're something different from the women that he's dated in the past. He's willing well, to- Why not just wait three months? Yeah, no, or you can wait three months. But, but you know, you don't know. Everybody's different, especially when it comes to men. I don't know. I feel like men are not really typically the type of, like, well, I'm generally speaking, of course, so this is probably the wrong thing to say. But, um, mm. you know, when you introduce somebody to your kids, depends how old his kids are. What if his kids are like, you know- 25 years old like I don't know how old are his kids you know so there's just too many moving parts here but then again she's 28 so they're also in Missouri right so I don't know maybe it's just like one of those it's not a big deal things right I don't like chances are his kids are let's say 10 and 12 yeah okay so I don't know if it's cultural you know Midwest may be a little more open-minded about that like here this is the girl I'm seeing and he doesn't want it like maybe he's really close to his kids and his kids know he's dating and his kids are asking like hey if you meet a nice woman can you introduce us to her to her you know where's the ex-wife like there's just so many or ex or the mother of the children not necessarily an ex-wife but there's so many questions that I have it's just it's a fantastic question I love the question Megan I just need more information because I've seen people who who, who love at first sight you know they have kids and they meet each other and they meet the kids within a week and then they're married for you know forever and then you see the opposite so i don't want to just i don't want to discredit it to the point where i say no you shouldn't meet his kids at three weeks because maybe he's see you're i really agree with your initial point she said you know i don't feel comfortable well full stop you don't feel comfortable so even if he's interested in introducing you to his kids you know tell him thank you i'm not ready yet but i will tell you the moment i am Right, for sure. I mean, if he really likes you enough to want to introduce your kids, I think he'll understand you wanting to wait a little bit to meet his kids. Well, I think the mere fact that you're asking this question kind of is the question. If you have to ask this question, you're probably not on the same wavelength with him. If he's thinking, oh, I want to introduce you to my kids, and you're like, I'm not going to meet your kids. I think it speaks volume about what's happening right now, just in general. I think you, again, I think communication is always one of the, one of the key ingredients to dating, to pursuing relationships, to being in a relationship, to marriage, to having kids. Like it's always going to come back to that fundamental core communication element of a relationship. I don't have enough information to tell you if that's lacking right now, but if he's thinking he wants to introduce you to his kids and you're thinking you don't want to meet them, 
there's a miscommunication somewhere. Yeah. Well, if you want to contact Louis Felix, you can always give him a call. (laughs) (laughs) There's a link in our episode details where you can schedule a call with him to talk a little bit more about matchmaking. You can also visit him on social media. On Instagram, he's Louis Felix. On Twitter, he's Mr. Matchmaker. And I believe on Facebook, he's Louis Felix, right? Yeah. I'm Louis Felix every day of my life and on social media. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Mr. Matchmaker on Twitter. But yeah, you know, I just want everybody to know that if they schedule an appointment with me, it's not to sell you something. It's really like we really do. I really do. And I have appointments every day, all day. And I think anyone who's had an appointment with me will honestly tell you that this is true. I'm going to do what's best for you. Um, And agape isn't always what's best for you. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to steer you in the right direction every single time. So schedule an appointment and I'd love to talk to you and um, we can go from there. Oh yeah. Your first match is with your matchmaker. And I think the one thing that both Louie and I pride ourselves on is sending you to the right matchmaker. I am not the right matchmaker for everyone. Even geographically, I might not be the right one. So love sending people to the right person to help them out. Louie, thank you so much for joining me on Ask a Matchmaker. Ask the matchmakers this week. (laughs) If you have a dating or relationship question, you can visit askamatchmaker.com to submit your 60 second audio question. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. Every Wednesday, Ask a Matchmaker on my stories and the rest of the week I screenshot your questions that are on my DMs and lately we've been trying out this new feature where I share your answers to people's questions that's been fun until then be lovable and more importantly be likable see you next week <laughs>